Good morning, I'm Allison Michaels from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Thursday, February 18th. In today's news, a vaccine shortage prompts U.S. diplomats to request doses from foreign governments, including from Russia. And the U.K. gets approval to infect healthy volunteers in the world's first of something called a coronavirus challenge trial. But first, the big idea. Economists are warning that millions of jobs that have been shortchanged or wiped out entirely by the coronavirus pandemic are unlikely to come back. That reality sets up a massive need for career changes and for job retraining in the U.S. The Post's Heather Long reports that the coronavirus pandemic has triggered permanent shifts in how and where people work. Businesses are planning for a future where more people are working from home, traveling less for business, or replacing workers altogether with robots. All of these modifications mean many workers will not be able to do the same job they did before the pandemic, even after much of the U.S. population gets vaccinated against the deadly virus. Microsoft founder-turned-philanthropist Bill Gates raised eyebrows in November when he predicted that half of business travel and 30 percent of days in the office would go away forever. Now, that forecast doesn't seem so far-fetched. In a report coming out later this week that was previewed to The Washington Post, the McKinsey Global Institute says that 20 percent of business travel won't come back, and about 20 percent of workers could end up working from home indefinitely. These shifts mean fewer jobs at hotels, restaurants, and downtown shops, in addition to ongoing automation of office support roles and of some factory jobs. The nation's unemployed are starting to react to these big shifts. The Pew Research Center found that two-thirds of the jobless say they've seriously considered changing their occupation or their field of work. That's a significant increase from the Great Recession era when 52 percent said that they would consider a change then. One problem for many unemployed people is that they lack the money to retrain. This crisis has put many out of work for nearly a year, and the financial support from unemployment and food stamps is often not enough to pay their bills. The stimulus legislation being debated in Congress does not include any money for retraining. Take Serena Couch, who lost her job at Disney World in Orlando in April. She initially held out hope that she would be called back, but as the months went by, it became clear that that was unlikely. Now, the 27-year-old has started spending her days looking for jobs and trying to learn to code by watching YouTube videos and reading blogs. She receives about $500 a month in jobless benefits, which is not enough to pay her bills. Couch and her boyfriend, who is also laid off from a theme park, moved in with a relative to save money. Her car was repossessed around Christmas. She said she never intended to make a career in the hospitality industry, but without a college degree, she thought her job options were limited. Now, she says, she hasn't been able to find anything that makes nearly as much as her old Disney job. The number of workers in need of retraining could be in the millions. David O'Tor, an economist at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, co-wrote a report warning that automation is accelerating in the pandemic. He predicts far fewer jobs in retail, in rest, car dealerships, and meatpacking facilities. Automation of jobs often speeds up during recessions as companies look to cut costs and use periods of layoffs to experiment with new technologies. Some economists predict that there could be more automation now because the pandemic forced companies to look for ways to minimize the number of employees in a given workspace. Plus, the vast scale of layoffs in the economy gives executives a unique opportunity to bring in robots. 
Job postings in recent months help illustrate what kinds of positions are emerging and which are rapidly going away. Andrew Chamberlain is the chief economist at Glassdoor, and he says he's seen a rapid decline in posts seeking administrative assistance, human resources personnel, food service workers, beauty consultants, pet groomers, valets, professors, brand ambassadors, and even physical therapists and audiologists. Only some of these jobs will come back. He's hesitant to give an exact number, but he agrees that millions may need to find a new career. Although many of the nation's 20 million people receiving unemployment want to change jobs and increase their skills, it's often difficult to predict which sectors of the economy will experience sustainable growth. As online retail has boomed during the pandemic, warehouses have added nearly 115,000 jobs in the past year. That means that more workers are in the field now than there were pre-pandemic. Yet even that field is not a sure bet. Automation has become cheap enough that it is now being deployed more readily in warehouses and on factory floors. Economists say that over time, the United States probably will employ the same overall number of people that the nation had pre-pandemic. But the specific jobs that people do are likely to change. And for the people who need to shift their careers, this can be a major life change. And that's the big idea. Here are two other stories that should be on your radar. Number one. U.S. diplomats serving in countries with poor medical infrastructure and high coronavirus infection rates are venting frustrations about the way top officials in Washington are distributing the vaccines for the virus. The Post's John Hudson reports that the limited supply of doses of the vaccine has forced State Department leaders to make very difficult decisions and created humbling experiences for U.S. diplomats representing the world's wealthiest country. Managing the shortage is an early challenge for Secretary of State Antony Blinken, who's pledged to restore morale and trust at the State Department. At least 13 foreign governments offered to inoculate U.S. officials serving abroad with their own supplies of the U.S.-made Moderna and Pfizer vaccines. That's a gesture the State Department has already accepted. The department is also evaluating offers from at least eight other countries that are willing to do the same. In Russia, some State Department personnel appealed to Moscow for doses of its Russian-made Sputnik V vaccine after Washington could not promise the delivery of U.S.-made vaccine doses in the near future. The Sputnik vaccine has not been approved by the World Health Organization nor the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The State Department is not recommending its employees take it, but it is permitting them to make their own health decisions as the pandemic claims more than 2.4 million lives worldwide. The State Department, like other U.S. agencies, is at the mercy of the Department of Health and Human Services for how much vaccine it receives. The State Department requested 315,000 doses to cover the entirety of its workforce, but it's received only 23 percent of that in three separate tranches. The State Department's acting undersecretary for management, Carol Perez, acknowledged in a memo to employees this month that, quote, there has been some confusion surrounding the department's distribution of COVID-19 vaccines as we work to quickly provide the vaccines to our workforce. Perez and other senior officials told The Washington Post they were working to address concerns of diplomats in the field about the vaccines. In his first address to staff in January, Blinken noted that the pandemic had claimed the lives of five American State Department employees and 42 locally employed staff around the world. A lingering complaint among some U.S. diplomats is their belief that the vaccine distribution disproportionately favors U.S. personnel in Washington and in New York, and that that comes at the expense of diplomats in Brazil, Oman, Russia, and dozens of other at-risk countries. 
They claim that non-mission critical officials in the U.S. have been able to obtain vaccines simply by coming into the office once a week, while diplomats abroad are left stranded with no assurances of inoculation in the near future. Officials said that while the first group of doses the State Department received in December did primarily go to U.S. officials on the East Coast, the allotment also went to U.S. personnel in the capitals of Afghanistan, Iraq, and Somalia. The second allotment, according to officials, went to a mix of workers in regional passport offices in New Orleans, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and Hot Springs, Arkansas, as well as foreign-based workers in West Africa, Mexico, and Turkmenistan. They also said the bulk of the third allotment will go overseas to posts in eastern and southern Africa. They acknowledged that this plan leaves out many countries hosting U.S. personnel, but they said they're doing their best with a limited supply. The Biden administration has been more transparent about vaccine distribution than the Trump administration, but there is still room for improvement, according to many diplomats in the field. Number two, Britain will become the first country to deliberately infect healthy volunteers with the coronavirus now that the country's ethics body has approved something called a human challenge trial. The Post's Carla Adams reports that the effort, funded by the British government, aims to accelerate scientific understanding of vaccines and treatments. The government said in a statement Wednesday that the first stage will begin within the month and see up to 90 adults ages 18 to 30 exposed to the coronavirus in a safe and controlled environment. It will gauge the smallest amount of virus needed to cause infection. The government has also said that in subsequent stages, which will require further approval, it hopes to quickly assess vaccines and conduct head-to-head -head comparisons. Infecting healthy people with a potentially deadly virus, even in small doses and in controlled settings, is controversial. And some in Britain have questioned whether there's still a need given the rapid authorization and rollout of highly effective vaccines. More than 15 million people in the UK have already received at least one jab. That's what they call vaccine shots in the UK. The head of Britain's vaccine task force said that he expects these studies to offer unique insights into how the virus works and to help researchers understand which vaccines offer the best chance of preventing infection. The lead researcher on this effort said that when the trial does get underway, volunteers will be infected via droplets squirted up the nose and then monitored closely during a hospital stay. In addition to regular blood and heart rate tests, patients will be given scratch and sniff cards to detect loss of smell and cognitive tests on a tablet. Scientists will use the version of the virus that has been in circulation since March of last year and not any of the more infectious variants. The volunteers in the study will receive about 4,500 pounds or more than $6,200 for their participation over the course of the study, which will involve 17 days of quarantining at the Royal Free Hospital in North London, and then will include follow-ups over the next 12 months. And that's The Daily 202 for Thursday, February 18th. I'm Allison Michaels. Thanks for listening.